Well, we're halfway through this uh, lead into Easter with the series that we're doing, uh, Jesus's final words from the cross or final statements, perhaps is a better, um, uh, better way of putting it, because the, there are seven of these uh, statements that Jesus made as part of his last words at the cross. And uh, three of them uh, we've looked at. Uh, we looked at uh, the theme of uh, the first one was on the theme of forgiveness uh, three weeks ago. And then Pastor Cat looked at assurance and being forsaken and those themes across the last couple of weeks. And there's three still to come as we lead in to Easter. But today we come to the, mid, the middle statement or the midpoint of these seven that are spread across a number of the Gospels. And we come to the statement where that Margaret earlier where Jesus speaks specifically to his mother and to one of his disciples. Now, it just says that that disciple is simply mentioned as the disciple whom Jesus loved. But it's John. It's actually John himself. It's the one who, uh, who, who's witnessed and is writing down and, and recording what took place there. Uh, so uh, uh, that's just in case you're wondering, who, who actually is it? Who is that one that uh, Jesus loved? It, it's John himself. But what Jesus says is very specific, yes, to them and the situation that they are about to find themselves in, uh, where Jesus will soon no longer be with them. Dear woman, here is your son, he says, and here to John, here is your mother. But there, are, whilst it's specific to there, it's actually important to recognise that there are very real insights and challenges for us all, even today, from these words of Jesus in a broader sense. I actually spoke from this actual passage last Mother's Day. There's a good test of whether, uh, <laughs> whether you remember whether this is familiar or not. Uh, last Mother's Day, we spoke from this passage, but we're, going, we're not going to rehash that. We're going to look at some totally different, quite different insights today. And that's the beauty and the amazing thing about God's word. You can come to different parts of it and uh, the same passage even and explore different insights and things. So let me pray and that le then let's explore three questions particularly that arise out of Jesus's words here today. Lord God, thank you that your word is relevant still today and uh, whilst you spoke long ago to, to John and, and, and to uh, uh, Mary, we thank you that there are insights and challenges for us today. So help us to be open to hear what it is that uh, you have to say to us afresh. Uh, we're, we're all different people with different walks of life, and yet you, you're able to speak to each of us. So speak, Lord, and uh, may we be attentive to you, we pray. Amen. Three questions. The first one that I, uh, that I want to uh, bring to you this morning that arises out of what Jesus says here is this. What is the focus for you? What is the focus for you? One, one morning this week, I received a text from my daughter. Uh, this is not my daughter in, uh, in Tasmania, but this is uh, the daughter that uh, still lives at home with us. And I received a text from her saying, I drove past you at the lights at the DFO and you didn't even wave back. <laughs> you really must have been in your own world. <laughs> Ouch. There I was, driving along, so much in my own world at the time that I didn't even notice my own daughter driving by. What really stands out about Jesus here on the cross, though, is the very opposite of that. Jesus is far from being in his own world. 
Jesus is literally in a world of pain. He's nailed to the cross and all that came with that that you and I can hardly begin to comprehend. But what's Jesus' focus? It's not on himself, but it's on looking beyond himself to his mother and to the disciple whom he loved, John. It's, it's, it's in being aware of and being attentive to caring for them. Now, if ever anyone had a point in their life where they could be excused for not looking beyond themselves, it would have been Jesus at this point as he hung on the cross. But even though he was in a world of pain in every sense, he reached out to focus on others. When Jesus saw, verse 26 says, I wonder, do we see past ourselves in life? Even when we might feel like we're in a world of pain and least feel like it, let alone at general times. It can be so easy when something significant is going on in our world to lose sight of looking beyond ourselves. When we are in a world of pain for, for, for uh, our focus to narrow around ourselves and our situations, for us to uh, throw a pity party or invite others to join us in that, instead of not simply focusing on ourselves, but to look beyond our pain, beyond our problems, beyond our pressures, to people around us who might also have their own in different ways and to show care to them. That's what Jesus models for us here. He focuses on the needs of others, even at his time of need. All around us in life, there are people with needs. We all have needs. But there are hurting people, there are lonely people, there are vulnerable people, there are struggling people. Looking, be, Do we see them? Or do we miss being attentive to them simply because we are so consumed by what's going on in our world? And that's not to diminish what's, go, what's going on in any of our worlds, which can be very significant. But in the midst of that, we are still, what Jesus models for us here is to still look beyond ourselves. Looking beyond ourselves is one of our church values. And Jesus' focus on that here in his last words reminds us afresh of the importance of that. First question, what's my focus? Am I, uh, in, in, the midst of the, in the midst of everything going on in my world, is, my focus still, is there a place in my focus for looking beyond myself? The second question today is the question that arises is, who is family to you? Who is family to you? Someone uh, who was gathering for a large family reunion. I, uh, I know that uh, uh, some of you have... Family reunions, I think Paul and Joe might have the largest one family reunion I've ever heard of, <laughs> but uh, you can talk to them about that one and find out about uh, uh, the, the terrific family reunions that they have. But um, I don't know if, if you ever have family reunions with all kinds of people, some of whom are, are not immediate family, but dis distant relatives even in some cases. Well, someone who was gathering for a large family reunion of all kinds of distant relatives, uh, one, one day um, they, they were gathering at this big hotel and shortly after arriving they, they saw who they thought was their, their distant cousin sitting over the other side of the lobby area of, of the foyer and they thought they'd surprise them by creeping up behind them and saying, surprise. So that's what they did, only to have a complete stranger turn around instead and say, oh, hello. <laughs> Embarrassed, they apologised and they explained that they were there for a distant family reunion and they'd mistaken them for a distant cousin, only to have the person respond with, 
Actually, I'm relieved. I'm here for a family reunion too, and I was afraid you were somebody I was distantly related to. (laughs) As we think about the question, who is family to you? Jesus, in linking together his mother with the disciple John, gives us a broader sense of family, though, than simply our biological families. The gospel redefines and changes, or it should redefine and change, how we view the word family. Yes, we have biological families and God-given responsibilities uh, to, uh, uh, with those. But one of the gifts that Jesus gives, not only to Mary and John, but to us still today from the cross, is the gift of God's family to be there for us when our own biological family may not be. In Jesus' case, he, what was going on? He would, he would be leaving this earth. But instead of linking his mother in with, uh, with another member of his biological family, he linked her in with someone who was a part of who? Her spiritual family. Now, the other members of Jesus' biological family, it seems, didn't believe in Jesus. And they would come later after the resurrection and, and, and the ascension to come to believe in Jesus. But at this point, they didn't, uh, they, they didn't believe in Jesus uh, in the same way that, uh, that Mary did. And so Jesus linked Mary in with someone who was a part of the, her spiritual family. He linked her with uh, someone that, uh, significant. And, and, and I think it's really significant what Jesus did here. Because of Jesus' work, but because of Jesus' words as well at the cross... You are joined with brothers and sisters in Christ. You are joined with sons and daughters in Christ. You are joined with fathers, mothers and fathers in Christ. And the richness of what it means to belong to the family of God, the people of God, God's new creation. Now, God's people aren't perfect. And uh, there'll be bruises, there'll be bumps, there'll be, uh, there'll be flaws, there'll be uh, things that aren't uh, all that you would hope for them to be at times. But nevertheless, there's a profound richness that uh, comes from being a part of a spiritual family and from a spiritual family functioning, being family to others as God intends them to be. It's God's intent still today that each of us find in God's family in this place others who will care for us, others who who we will form deep bonds with, others who we can count on, others who will be there for us in all kinds of ways along the journey of life and faith. As I said, that doesn't happen perfectly, but, but it's certainly God's, uh, God's desire that, that the, the spiritual family, the, the family of God, play a significant part in our lives. And uh, the, so the question arising, the second question after what's your focus is, who is family to you? Who is family to you? Are you connected enough to uh, this church family for them to be family to you? Are you connected into a small group? Are you connected into others relationally here to, for, for them to be family to you? And uh, are we functioning as the family of God that God intends us to? Thirdly and finally, out of Jesus' words here at the cross, not only what's your focus and who is your family, but are you following Jesus? Are you following Jesus? The verses that surround Jesus' words from the cross here have as bookends at either end of the passage 
this morning that Marg read to us, two phrases. In verse 25, the phrase is, it starts with near the cross. And then verse 27, at the end of verse 27, from that time on. Near the cross and from that time on. What's so significant about these words, about these phrases? Well, I believe they capture key aspects of what it truly means to follow Jesus in our lives. Near the cross. Just reflect on that one for a moment. Who was near the cross? Who was standing near the cross? Tells us here. Near the cross stood some, but not many really. The disciple whom Jesus loved, John, is mentioned. Four women are mentioned in verse 25. No one else is mentioned. Where were all the other followers of Jesus? Where were the, disciple, the other disciples of Jesus? Were they standing near the cross? No, they weren't. They didn't follow Jesus all the way to the cross. And it's a great challenge and a great reminder of all that is involved to follow and stand beside Jesus at the cross still today. Because back then what happened was that to follow and to stand beside Jesus at the cross thinned the Jesus followers. People just who were following him suddenly filtered out. And it was only these four or five that stood with him at the cross. To follow Jesus is more costly than it is popular. To follow Jesus involves commitment and it involves coming to challenging places as, as, as these uh, followers of Jesus did here. To stand near the cross where Jesus was, to stand with him there, was costly. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, in the Gospel of Luke, we read Jesus himself talking about what, it, uh, what is involved in following him. Luke 14, 27, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. To follow Jesus isn't always popular. To follow Jesus isn't always comfortable. To follow Jesus isn't always easy. It will involve cost. It will involve choices. But will you be one of those who follow Jesus no matter what? Who are prepared to, uh, to, to stand beside Jesus and with Jesus no matter what, as these four or five did? The words at the other end of this passage are also significant about following Jesus from that time on. What do they capture? Well, they capture that to follow Jesus is to continue on what he has begun, to follow in his steps, to make the things that are close to Jesus' heart close to our heart, to live that out in our lives from that time on. Because from that time on is significant because there was a shift. Jesus, uh, Jesus would, um, uh, would, would go to the cross, then he would be resurrected, and, uh, come, uh, and then there would be that time before the ascension. But, but beyond that, Jesus would no longer be physically present on this earth. And his followers were the ones who were to carry on his work. His followers were to be the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ, from that time on. At the cross, we too like John, are asked to carry on the roles and the responsibilities that Jesus has entrusted to us, to be his hands and feet, to those who are searching and seeking spiritually, 
to those in need of healing or wholeness in their lives, to the lonely, to the marginalised, to the hurting, to the burdened or to the brokenhearted. Mary was burdened. Mary was going to be lonely. Mary was brokenhearted. And Jesus entrusted to John the role and the responsibility of caring for her. So Jesus challenges me and he challenges you afresh today in these important questions of life and faith. What's your focus? Who is family to you? And are you really following me? Let's pray together. Lord God, as we ponder these things and look at our own lives and our own situations, we consider what it, what it is and what it involves to take next steps in following you, Jesus, or to take next steps in experiencing family, the family of God, or to take next steps on being focused on looking beyond ourselves. Thank you for all that you have done and said, Jesus, to, um, to make these pathways possible, that you modelled for us, that you did more than model for us, you actually made the way for us to follow you. You made the way for us to be your followers. And so, are you following Jesus today? Are you someone who is on that pathway of following Jesus? Or if you are a follower of Jesus, are you prepared to follow him no matter what? Are you someone who is a part of the family of God? Or is that something that you've yet to experience, yet to, be, uh, yet to take a step of becoming a child of God? Are you someone who is experiencing the fullness of what it means for, uh, to, to, to not only have a, a, a family on this earth, but to have a spiritual family that is a, where you can experience richness and profound links with brothers and sisters in Christ, mother, uh, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters in Christ. And are you focused not simply on what's going on in your world, are you seeing what's going on around you in other people's lives and looking beyond yourself? God, these are insights from you. These are challenges from you. We pray that each of us and together collectively as the people of God in this place would afresh discover all that it means to find and follow you in and through these ways and, uh, and, and others that haven't been touched on this morning. Lord, we ask for your grace and your goodness in this. Lead us on in your purposes for us, we pray. And we ask for your, uh, for your glory, we pray. And we ask this in and through the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray.